0: Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unmound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to UnmoundRetreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I am so stoked because I have not one, but two powerhouses on the show, Nurse Erica (laughs) and Nurse Nander, and we're going to talk about their movement that they co-founded called the Last Pizza Party Movement. We're going to talk about unions and safe staffing, safe patient ratios, and maybe some legislation. But before we do any of that, welcome to the show, and how are you? Thank you. We're doing well. We're doing well. Excited to be here. This is this is a
1: first for us representing the last pizza party. So we're really excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for joining the show. And you guys are calling in from like two different locales. You're like
2: Yeah, you're... we are spread across the country.
0: <laughs> we are. Yeah. Uh, Erica's
2: in yeah. Las Vegas. I am located in Florida. We have somebody in Kentucky, um, Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, we're all over the place and we have people for our TLPP newscasts that are in California, Texas. I mean, everywhere.
0: That is so exciting. I cannot wait to get into more about the last pizza party movement. Um, TT. Oh my God. I'm, saying, I'm going to say it wrong. TT PLM, right? R-p- no. Sorry. TLPP. TLPP. Sorry. Um, I just want to, on a personal note though, how, how have you been? Like how, how, like, how are you really? I always like to ask my guests that.
2: Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll go first on this one. Um, I've worked the pandemic, um, and it, it, it's taken me a long time to get comfortable talking about how it's affected me emotionally, um, and how it's affected my family. Um, but I've worked through a lot and currently I'm okay, but it's taken a long road to get here. Um, I didn't recognize what it was at first that that was affecting me. But after, you know, I'm an ICU nurse. Um, I've worked on COVID units. Um, and it you know, after a while working the pandemic, it would get to the point where I would walk into a grocery store or, you know, just out in public. And when I'd see a stranger I would have an involuntary image pop in my head of that person. and I, I would just know exactly what they would look like intubated and dying of COVID or, um, or like a young girl. I remember there was one young girl getting something. Her mom was getting something out of the freezer and she was banging on the glass, the glass door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember having an image of all the families I've seen grieve at a oh. window. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and uh unfortunately it's also been that way sitting down at dinner with my husband. I've, I've seen it in his face. I've seen my parents, um, and I've had family that's died of COVID and it's been really hard because I know exactly how they passed. Um, so, you know, it's just been a long road and I actually got injured taking care of a, um, COVID patient. Um, the patient was panicking cause he couldn't breathe and he grabbed me the wrong way and he tore my T2 to T3 spinal ligament and herniated a, a lumbar disc and pulled a muscle. And so I was able to take some time away from their, um, you know, the on workman's complete like, duty. And through that, I was kind of able to just step back, but I am back taking care of patients and with this new Delta variant, I'm honestly, very scared <laughs> um, because it just got to the point with, with my husband where I would come home from work and I would sit in my car in the driveway and I would just cry. And then I would disrobe in the garage and then I would come in and I'd get in the shower and I'd cry. And then I'd come down for dinner and I'd just say, I'm, I'm sorry, honey, but I just, I can't talk right now. I just, I don't want to be needed. I, I, you know, I just, I couldn't do any of that and it really affected us. And um, I'm just i really don't want to go into another way of this
0: yeah um, but
2: right now I, I feel the best i have in a while i guess but i'm also very nervous
0: mm-hmm. thank you for being so honest and vulnerable uh i know that there are a lot thank of people you. out there listening that can 100 relate to you um and so uh, i yeah. yeah i i feel it's, for it's you
2: been a, it's been a while since i you know, could talk about it comfortably and still I like, kind of feel like there's such a stigma around mental health and I, I wonder how many people are going to hear that and say, oh, she's crazy, you know, or, you know, and I'm, I'm certainly not trying no. to have a party. I don't want anybody, you know, what was me, but um, I think it is important to know how it affects because a lot of um, health care providers have committed suicide um, over this pandemic. It's been terribly taxing on our mental health. Yeah. And physically.
0: <laughs> mhm. Um we talk about mental health on the show and so yes yeah, so I'm a huge proponent of getting help, seeing help, getting getting a therapist, um taking time away, whatever it is that you need to do to take care of yourself. So you Nurse Neander, obviously you do what you need to do to take care of yourself and people out there do what you do to take care of yourself first cuz you're a human and then a nurse second. Right. So yeah, absolutely. You, you got to be here for the long haul. Fuck this COVID yeah. shit. Okay. So, yeah, for sure. Um, What about you nurse Erica?
1: Uh, my path has been a little bit different from nurse Nanders. So for the majority of the pandemic, when it started, I was in a director of nursing level position. And so I had a little bit different perspective, a little unique perspective. I was immediately tasked with finding all the PPE for my organization. This is, yep, this is back in like March of 2020 and for months. And so you can imagine that that consumed my entire life for months. I spent every waking moment when I wasn't working and intervening on other things, just scouring the internet for PPE. Uh, I can tell you on that subject that it was available. It was readily available, but you needed an employer that was willing to foot the bill because of course the prices were inflated and you needed someone devoted to doing that full time. Mm -hmm. I I'm really proud to say that I accomplished that. And my organization did not go without PPE like so many frontline workers did. Uh, And so that's one of the reasons I'm so Mm -hmm passionate about nurse advocacy is, I know that what is put out there publicly is not always the case. So I'm sure you both recall that every single night on the news was there's no PPE, there's no PPE. And here I was, going. I found PPE in a warehouse in West Virginia, it's going to cost $2,500. Can I get approval? Yes, okay, order, you know, it was there, but healthcare administrators did not want to pay for it. So I digress. Um, the pandemic for me was, it was not easy. I don't think that I've really had enough time or distance yet to really even fully appreciate or deal with it appropriately. I still sort of keep waiting for that, the ball to drop. Uh, I was down a couple nurses. And so as a result, I was taking a patient assignment myself in addition to being director of nursing, in addition to finding PPE for the entire organization and being constantly bombarded with nurses, just sobbing, you know, in the early stages, it was, please don't assign me the COVID patient, anyone, but me, I'm a single mom. I have two little kids, please don't assign them. And you know, how, how, what do you say to that? what do you say to that? I'm a single mom. I get it. I get exactly where they're coming from. But I know that if we continue getting COVID patients, I will have to give them those patients. There's no other way. Uh, So that took a great, tremendous emotional toll on me. Eventually, they uh, had all of us work from home as much as possible. So when I wasn't taking a patient assignment, I was relegated to working from home, which (laughs) you get a you know, it sounds nice. And I will admit the first week of doing meetings in my pajamas was nice. And then after that ended, it became just a complete shit show because people suffer under the delusion that if you're working from home, they can call you anytime, day or night. Mm -hmm. So when I tell you that people had no boundaries and were calling me at two in the morning, this went on for months. I never had a night's sleep. I was constantly working probably about 19 hours a day on average without a day off every single day for months and months and months. So it was very physically taxing. Um, Of course, being worried about my family. In the meantime, my mom is elderly, she lives alone. My son has severe asthma. He was working on the Las Vegas strip dealing with tourists from around the world. So in a really bad position to be exposed all these things to create the perfect storm. Um, it was an incredibly stressful time for me. And when you're in a director level position, people look to you to solve all the problems. And how do you solve the problems of COVID? <laughs> like, you know, so there were so many days that I felt like a failure and completely ineffective. And in addition to that, I was in this, you know, very unique position of wanting to advocate for the nurses to do the right thing and having so much pressure from above to not do things that were always in the best interest of nurses. So mm. that was my position for many, many, many months. And I, I still don't think that I have really thoroughly dealt with the stress that went along with that. I, I put on a lot of weight. So I know that says <laughs> something for all the stress I was going mm-hmm. through. Um, Yeah. It was, it was, it was a different kind of difficult. And I don't often talk about it because I feel like I am not entitled to complain because I had it easier than a lot of nurses. I wasn't.
0: That's that's almost
2: like survivor syndrome. like. Like,
0: yeah. 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 I mean, but you worked your ass off for, I mean, my director who I love and adore, I mean, we were just talking about this the other day. She spent similarly, you know, she worked seven days a week, um, you know, didn't get a good night's sleep for forever, uh, you know, just to do exactly the same job that you you did, um, which is find all the PPE, you know, and work with all the protocols changing all the time and, like, safe staffing. And, of course, same thing, dealing with nurses, like, I can't go in there, like, I can't take care of, you know. I mean, uh, anyway, it's, it's – you have a right to feel – Bad. <laughs> you know, like this was traumatizing for you too. I mean, I don't mean to put this on you like that. I'm get- but yeah. I just
2: have to say the nurses that are working under Eric are extremely lucky that they had somebody looking out for them. Um, at the beginning of this pandemic, I was working for advent and I did not have that privilege. Um, in fact, I was working the ICU at the beginning, the very, very beginning of this pandemic. And, um, the CDC had just announced that if we didn't, if we ran out of proper supplies that we could use bandanas and handkerchiefs. And we had an energizer where they announced that, that if we run out, that's fine. You guys can just bring handkerchiefs from home. So of course, none of the ICU nurses were okay with that. And so we went on Amazon and we started buying our own respirators with our own money. We were not asking to be reimbursed, but we all did, and we were excited to find them because they were going—they were going out of stock very fast. So we would tell other units, hey, you know, especially our, our unit, our sister unit, the step down, because they were getting COVID patients as well. They were sending it up for COVID unit, um, but word got out that we were doing that, and then management had the nerve to say
0: <clears throat> they sat us
2: down an energizer one morning. And said, you can't use those respirators. Um, We don't know what the quality is. You weren't fitted for them. And when I tell you there was a revolt in that meeting, I remember saying to my charge nurse, I sure as hell wasn't fitted for a fucking bandana. Um, And everybody spoke up and that shift was so tense. Um, we would be in the supply room talking, talking about, we're all going to stick together. We're going to wear our things. And we would see through the windows of the doors management walking by, and we would just give them freaking stink eye. And When I told, when I tell you every single one of us were prepared to walk into the next shift, wearing our respirators and telling them screw off or fire us. We don't care. And we walked into the shift the next day with our respirators. And we sat down in our energizer meeting and, uh, and they said, okay we'll let you wear your respirators. But it was a fight, but they knew that we were about to overthrow them. They had no choice because we were all banding together. And that's what nurses need to do for sleep staffing. So I just, I, I can't express enough how lucky Erica's um, staff is to have somebody who would get on the phone and work tirelessly to find the PPE because that was not the experience of many nurses around the country.
0: Thank you. Mm. And it's a shame that it wasn't that way. And I'm. Um, it's, anyway, it's led to, like you've said, I mean, a lot of people died. Um, and I don't know. I mean, 2020 was supposed to be the year of the nurse, but it's, I, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I didn't, and and it did. Sh- I it- that is right. What are the chances of that? It shined a spotlight, though, on nurses in a way that it hadn't before, Uh which I think is good. And this probably leads me, this is going to lead me to the work that you're doing. Um, Yes, it was very obvious that there were some places that didn't have PPE. There were staffing, like crisis management for staffing ratios, like all across the country as surges happened. So I want to know, tell me. Tell me about the last pizza party movement, how you, how you came to be and, and anyway, I I just want to hear the, how it evolved.
1: Yeah. So it was mid pandemic and I was scrolling on TikTok mindlessly one night and I came across a video of a nurse that I didn't know. And the video was black and white and it was, uh, about, uh, Florence Nightingale and it was hands down the best TikTok I've ever seen, ever. And I, I commented on it, and I think I messaged Nurse Nander directly. Did, did I? I don't remember. I think I did. Yeah,
2: you did because I was so excited. Yeah, <laughs> like okay. oh my god, Nurse so, Nander messaged me.
1: <laughs> so I messaged her, and I said something like, "For real though, if there's ever a TikTok Academy Award, this video needs to win. Like, brilliant." Kudos to you. And so that just started this relationship between the two of us. And we were messaging back and forth. It didn't take long before we exchanged phone numbers and we're talking on the phone. And um, we talk like every day, too. Mm-hmm, all the time. And, you know, it was really, at first, I, I must admit, I was very negative and hesitant to move forward and do anything because I've been doing this and advocating for a really long time, a lot longer than she has. And I've sort of been hit with all the negativity and nurses' general apathy for decades about this. So I was kind of in this place like, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat, but it'll never work. Nurses will never get behind it. But yes, you're absolutely right. So everything that she would throw at me, I would say, yeah, National Walkout Day, my dream. I would do that in a hot second. Nurses will never back it up a national nurses union. Absolutely. Sign me up. I'll be the first one there. Nurses will never get behind it. And every single thing I said, she was like, come on, come on. Why are you giving up? Why aren't you trying? This doesn't sound like you, like you're such an advocate. You're fighting for nurses all the time. Why are you not setting the example? And she just kind of wore me down.
2: (laughs) 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 I think my exact quote was you have a hundred percent of a chance of not succeeding if you give up. Yeah, sounds right. And
1: she just sort of wore me down. And I remember talking late one night. It was really late for me. So it must've been like the middle of the night for you because we're in separate times. And I even made a TikTok about it. It's somewhere buried in my early TikToks about late night conversations and talking about what if. And it just sort of spawned from there. And we know ne- I don't remember ever having a conversation where we definitively said, "Okay, so we're starting a movement." Like it was just kind of a natural evolution of things. And then yeah. I have to credit Nurse Mander with coming up with the name. That was all her. The, <laughs> last the party we threw around several names in the beginning. And I actually shot that one down. I must admit, I'm like, that's silly. We need something a little more serious if we're going to be taken seriously. And she was insistent. She's like, no, this is the one. And she was right.
2: (laughs) Apparently I'm very insistent. (laughs) I
1: don't know what it is, but she has a way of getting me to agree to things that someone else can try the exact same thing. And I'm like, absolutely not. But she's <laughs> able to convince me to do things that I don't want to do. And she's usually right. So we we're oh. kind of this amazing. She did
2: record that, right? She said it was
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Don't let her have a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sort of this amazing team where Uh, You know, I bring the management leadership viewpoint and what I know will be immediate barriers to the table. Um, I bring leadership (laughs) to the table and she brings this amazing passion, the ICU experience, and she is just so creative. Like, you know, you'll you'll notice I have a handful of videos that attempt to be creative. But 99% of them are just me sitting there talking. But when she does a video, it's theatrical and it's beautiful. And she reaches a huge audience because they're just so entertaining. And so we really kind of balance each other out. I'm like, here's the black and white. This is what it means. This is what you can do with it. And she's like bells and whistles and like all over the place. And so we really kind of complement each other. <laughs> Um, and then we, we, uh, put together a document. Nurse Nander started a very complex Google doc, uh, <laughs> it's the ICU nurse in her that really has to like be very organized about everything. Thank God that we have that. Cause I would not have gone to that much trouble if it were left up to me. And we started just kind of systematically reaching out to other creators, other nurses, Asking if they were willing to put their name on the line and be involved with us. And if they committed, we would forward them this Google Doc that had sort of a history. It was actually a good old-fashioned nursing diagnosis.
2: Oh, it <laughs> really was. It really was. That's that's awesome. that's it had
1: goals. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> as evidence by, yep. It, it had the whole it, Yeah, it did say as evidence by. It had a whole plan of care. For, yes. for the brokenness of nursing.
0: <laughs> yeah. in the United States, I love it. I love it. <laughs>
2: so
1: we would forward it to other creators and get their input. And that was really the beginning of the last pizza party. Eventually we brought in, uh, some other creators along the way to help us out. And, uh, a couple of them have fallen by the wayside along the way there's, you know, uh, when there's growth, there can sometimes be pain and drama, and we have found that we need to be uh, really particular about who we include on this journey. We need to make sure that yeah. their goals are exactly in line with ours. So there's been some painful bumps along the road, but we have a nice little core group right now that's,
0: flourishing.
1: yeah, but it really did start with with her and I.
0: I, I love it. I I want to say just a couple things that so nurse Sandra and nurse Erica are very big on TikTok. They both have big accounts, and so are they, we.
2: Am yeah. TikTok on this? Oh my god. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and so that's where their the lion's share of their social media is. That at least I've seen. Um, that has like you know I don't know the very. I'm like somewhere between 50 and a hundred thousand followers. I can't, I don't know what, what exactly it is, but both of you have a huge following. Um, and then I want to just point out the last pizza party is in reference to, I know this, because I'm in nursing and I, um, it, you know, let's just put, let's give them just a pizza You're in party. Management,
2: so I hope you don't take offense
0: to this. Me, I was in management. <laughs> I'm not in any more, more, um, but you know, it's like let's throw some treats at this situation, let's make people let's assuage their whatever the the trauma of the day, the fact that we don't yeah. have enough nurses. We you know, let's let's just throw some pizza at it. But like yeah, no
2: more.
0: No more. Yeah. We don't no want
1: really it. Is. It's blood money, it's it's blood pizza, it's insulting at this point. Yeah, we're gonna it eat is. it for hungry, but <laughs>
2: We don't want it's really insulting at this point, and, you know, and I, I've worked for so many managers at this point and they, they always buy pizza when we're short staffed, just to thank you for being such a team player as if we have a fucking choice. And as if we have time to get into the damn break room and eat the pizza before it gets cold and stale. Okay. Cause we don't. We don't. I, I hardly have time You're to get the ladder, let alone eat your crusty ass pizza. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, very true. Very true. And depending on where you are, obviously some some situations are worse than others. Sounds like where you were, it was rough. Uh, well, it's
2: Florida. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, as Erica calls it, the armpit of healthcare. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, y- you all went to Washington recently to fight for legislation to ensure safe staffing for nurses. First of all, thank you, thank you very, <laughs> thank you very much. That was so much fun. Can you fun. tell me? Yeah, can you tell me about the Safe Patient Staffing Act or the Safe Staffing Act? Sorry. Yes.
2: So the Safe Staffing Act, the actual name of it is the, I know this off the top of my head, I, I say it all the time, Nurse Staffing Standards for Hospital Patient Safety and Quality of Care Act. <laughs> oh, okay. um, So this has actually, we've been trying, not we personally, but um, NNU senators, they've been trying to get this passed for over 10 years. Um, this would federally mandate safe nurse to patient ratios in the hospital. And if hospital's um, went over those ratios We've been subject to very hefty fines. And the whole thing we've posted on our Facebook group, the last pizza party, so people can read through it. And I'm actually going to be doing lives where I go through the entire thing. Now, it also includes skilled nursing facilities and rehabs with a ratio of five to one, which anybody that's listening who has worked in a skilled nursing facility or rehab, that probably blows their mind because we've had nurses reach out to us and tell us they are taking... 30 patients. I've even had people stitch my videos and say, I've taken 124. (gasps) It should be illegal. There's no possible way you can take care of residents with those ratios. So for, if you look at all of these ratios, there's a studies out that say that for each patient you take above those ratios, the mortality of your patients goes up seven to 10%. So that's, anywhere from seven to 10% increase per patient. So if you think of somebody who works on a med surge floor, the proposed ratio for them, I believe, what is it? uh, Four to one. Mm -hmm. It's four to one, according to this. Um, Some of them are taking eight. And I think Erica did the math one day. And what was it like a 25%?
1: 28 to 40%
2: (laughs) mortality
1: of mortality or serious complication
2: per patient, per patient. So um, that's what we're looking at. And the fact is, I say this all the time. The fact is (laughs) most Americans don't realize how unsafe they are when they walk into most hospitals in America today. They have no idea. And hospitals, while there's no law that says nurses can't tell them, hey, I'm taking too many patients, blah, blah, blah. I can't keep you safe today. Hospitals will threaten you. Hospitals will retaliate against you and make it known that you are not to share that information with those patients. So they have no idea. And as a result, nurses catch the brunt of all of that. So that's, that's the, the just around the safe staffing act. Now, some of the questions we get, and I've, I've read through most of the safe staffing act. It's the same thing, basically, that's been reintroduced. Some of the questions we get, people will think, oh, well, um, charge nurses that aren't taking patients will be included into the grid. You know, you always hear the grid. All
0: right. um,
2: that's not the case. You have to, the hospitals are responsible for proving that the nurses figured into their, their grid or nurses taking patients, charge nurses will not be um, applied to that. Additionally, people are worried about what about the PCTs? What about the CNAs? While it doesn't really discuss their ratios just because we're offering safe ratios to nurses it does not mean that the text can be pulled they're still included in this act as supportive staff mm. um so there's tons of studies on how beneficial this is california has had these ratios in place since when was it like the 90s right erica early 2000s okay close <laughs> <laughs> but we have and you ask a lot of travel nurses um and they will say you know Oh, I've done I've done my my travels in California and I've done it elsewhere. and it's just such a beautiful place to work. It just works, it just makes sense. Um, and you know, I think Erica will probably speak on this. We talk about the fake nursing shortage. There's plenty of nurses out there who can fill these spots. so that's another question people get. Um, but you know, if California can do this and make it work, we can make it work across the country. Mm-hmm. It would be beautiful.
0: Yeah. I am for it 100%. I've been very lucky where I am. I, you know, we have the, I mean, we don't have a, it's not legislated, but we have, we're mandated, but we have very safe, you know, we've never had to triple, you know, we have two to one in the ICU, you know, four to one on the floor, like, so, but, and we're (laughs) unionized, but, Um, I understand Uh, that that is not the way that it is. I know. Uh, come to to Washington.
2: When I hear hear that, it's just like music to my ears. We're unionized. Ah! What union are
0: you with? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, Washington state nursing association. Okay. They're Um, great. We just ratified our contract
1: Congrats
0: on the 9th of July. Yeah. Was that difficult for you? Um, not for me because I wasn't working on it, but, you know, we got a big, I mean, oh my God, we got a 5% incentive raise, like, nice. plus a 1% raise. So it awesome. was 6% raise for one year, which is unheard of. Wow. Yeah. Which, so yeah. these days, I think unions are great, honestly. And I'm pro union all the way. So what are your thoughts on unionizing and how can yeah. it help nurses?
1: Uh you know, I, I've worked for union and non-union facilities throughout my career, so I can, you know, tell you with experience that I would absolutely only want to work for a unionized facility in the future. Uh, now, unions—they're not perfect. The detractors will tell you that, you know, it means that you cannot, for example, fire a bad employee, things like this. That's not true. It just makes it more challenging and it holds employers accountable to actually presenting evidence. I've been on the management side of having to navigate union contracts in order to get rid of really subpar employees. And I can tell you without a doubt, it can be done. I've done it. Um, But it is the last pizza party's absolute belief that nothing will really change for the nursing profession Until and unless we have one of two things in place, preferably both things in place. One being legislation, mandated ratios that force employers uh, legally to enforce staffing ratios and the other one being nursing unions. It is our goal to have a national nurses union one day. I don't know how that's going to happen, but we just know that it needs to. <clears throat> when we started this process, we began meeting systematically with multiple union reps around the country. Uh, we had several meetings reaching out to just unions you've never heard of, up to and including the NNU, the National, National Nurses United. And uh, what I always forget her name. What was her name, Nurse Amanda? Oh,
2: Libby, De- Libby Devlin, who is the National Bargaining Director for National Nurses United. We met with her. She's a very interesting lady.
1: Yeah, she was. She was fascinating, dynamic, and uh, you know, we we may have been a little bit naive in the beginning. We thought we're gonna we're gonna you know just get out there and change the world, and it shouldn't be this difficult. And we reached out to existing unions because we thought, why reinvent the wheel? You guys are already a union. Uh, we have this massive following the momentum is now coming out of COVID. If we, if you guys don't capitalize on the momentum that nurses are experiencing right now, then you never will. You have got, you've got to do it now. And we just kept saying that, and it just kept falling on deaf ears more often than not.
2: I feel like they're dated. Yeah.
1: I'd say that's an accurate assessment. So that was a little disheartening for us to keep you know, kind of pitching this idea. We had a whole pitch <laughs> worked yeah. out and for <clears throat> pretty much everyone was willing to meet with us and they were all super interested in what we had to say and <clears throat> they would cheer us on. But the general consensus was, we're not going to back that. We're not going to do that. Um, we wish you luck. We hope that you can, but we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And it got to the point where we were actually a little bit, um, where I was <laughs> a little bit, uh, pushy and, and accusatory a firecracker. And- let me tell you, I am. And saying, you know, uh, Hey, look, you may have been around, For 20, 30 years, you may think that you're accomplishing great things, but if I go pick 10 nurses off the street, guarantee you nine of them have never heard of you. And that means you're failing at getting the word out there. So we have this huge following, and we know that we can get the momentum and gather and organize this huge following in our favor. We're just asking you if you're serious about creating a National Nurses Union, or would you like to just stay in your little tiny corner of a comfort zone? And talk a good talk, but never walk the walk.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Erica's a firecracker. She really sunk her teeth in. I did. (laughs) Uh. But essentially, I mean, with our following and our ability to promote, I mean, the mean age for nurses right now is between what what did we find? It was like, let's say, 30 to 40. um, And, you know, even the younger ones. They're all on TikTok, no, you know. So yeah. with our ability to reach mass mass amounts of nurses, because there's a huge presence of nurses online, um, we're, we basically offered to be free advertising for them if they would host events. And it's just co- it's policies, policies, and jaded jaded talk.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. hard to. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit like yesteryear. Hard to get into the now you know, like, how do you get these folks that into like, hello, you know, it's, this, this is a real, this is a really important movement to get behind, even though they've been doing the same thing for a really long time, you know, like, how do you, and it's, it's
1: clearly not working, you know, you might unionize one facility a year and that's great. I'm glad for that facility, but you're, you're missing all these other opportunities. And at that rate, we will never be a national nurses union. So I, I, just, for the life of me, do not understand why unions, why nursing unions specifically are not capitalizing on the timing because it is already starting to dwindle and nurses are already starting to, you know, have that, that mind protection thing that goes on where you, you sort of forget what you've been through and they're losing that momentum. You know, They could have been doing this a year ago when every single nurse would show up.
2: Yeah, and, said, and we were the first to get the vaccine too. And we're mask mm-hmm. compliant. You know, we're experts in, in infection prevention and, and we're all masked up wearing scrub caps. Nobody's gonna see you at these events. It was the perfect timing and mm-hmm. they just dropped the ball. Hmm. They did.
1: And here's here's the funny thing is, Uh, after meeting with all these unions, and some of them still keep in touch and reach out to us from time to time. Um, And, you know, we have good relationships relationships with them, despite that. Uh, We have started recently hearing grumbling, hearing reports, uh, when nurses, for example, are getting ready to strike. Apparently, these unions are suggesting to their union members that they specifically reach out to the last pizza party because they know that we are going to help spread the word and shed more light on this than they will be able to. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, like, huge. Unions, huge unions are doing this. And so that says something. I think that that speaks volumes. It, and it, you know, I'm, I'm happy and proud of us, but it also speaks volumes again to how ineffective the other unions are doing at getting the word out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, their their advertising, I have to say, is not their forte. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the deal. Like, I I want it as a nurse in Seattle. Like, I want to know what's happening around the nation. Like, I want to know if there are nurses that aren't treated or, or don't don't have what they need if they're walking out or striking because I want to. Come together with these nurses, you know, and like, TLPP news. I know i I I watched a lot of it today. I was like following up on all the strikes <laughs> and stuff, but um, I'm just gonna say in the middle in the I don't know maybe it was April. I was so mad. I wanted a national strike. And my husband was like, "You can't fucking do that. You can't do that." I was like, (laughs) "Yes, "Yes, I can." (laughs) Why? Yes, "Yes, I can. I was like, if all the nurses across America went on strike, they would understand how complete the whole healthcare system would collapse. Can you? It would take one
1: national walkout day, having ninety percent compliance or less, even one day, to bring this healthcare system nationwide to its knees
2: one day if we all if we all just took it took a day and marched to the capitals of our states or even the city hall if you can't make it and just show support for the legislation that is out there to save us and can i just mention something about this legislation that really irritates the crap out of me yeah um I was in a patient's room not too long ago they were watching the local news and there's this legislation that 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 politicians had pushed push push, push um that would make it so they could not be censored on social media now this comes months after former president trump had been banned from multiple social media sites so i don't care what political party anybody's from not getting into that let's talk about the real issue with this it took no fucking time at all no time at all for them to push through bills that advocated for them that's a, that worked for politicians. It served them. It didn't do anything for the people of America. It served them. Right. You know, we have been trying to get safe staffing passed for over 10 years. It's okay? ridiculous.
0: It's ridiculous. If we do not
2: let them know that, that we want them to serve us, that their position of authority may be in jeopardy if they don't serve us then they will never serve us. So that's why it's so important that everybody gets on their emails, on pen and paper, whatever, and write your senators, write your representatives about the three pieces of legislation that would literally change the face of nursing forever.
0: Well, I'm going to link these up in the show notes of the show so that everybody has the opportunity to uh, reach out to their senator. I just did. I just reached out to Senator Patty Murray and asked her to... Um, please vote on the, or please Good help pass you. the pro act. Well, not the pro act, sorry, the self, the safe staffing act. Good. Um, I gosh, I, it's crazy. We have 4 million nurses, 4 million yes. nurses. Yes. Like that's powerful. Like sometimes I think like what would happen if all 4 million came together to, uh, to, to, to change the way that it is, you know, to we could accomplish whatever we wanted. We are one of the largest, if not the largest, uh,
1: you know, workforce in the country. We yeah. are one in every hundred people are, is a nurse. Nurses are everywhere. Uh, but we don't stand together. We're not a cohesive group.
0: Yeah. There, there's something interesting. And I wonder this and I could be wrong, but there's something I think too, like we're a predominantly female group, right? And and we're (laughs) like people pleasers and we, you know, want to say yes. And we want to do the right thing. And, you know, so like, we'll just do and do and, and, and I really want to say, I love the place that I work. I adore them. And I've been so incredibly grateful. Here's people pleasing. Um, but like, it's, you know, it's ingrained in us to just go, to go with it and go with the flow and just take it. So like, you know, we, we would, would a bunch of like dudes, like just been like, yeah, I can't, we, you can't find PPE for me. I'm going to just go walk into a COVID room. No, I don't know. I don't that- know if, I mean, I don't know. It's a sort of a topic for a, a different day. It, is- yeah.
2: Definitely. It's very
1: much an abusive relationship. This it dynamic is. that healthcare administrators have created, along with organizations like the American Nurses Association, that constantly um, just feed this "nurses have to sacrifice" rhetoric into us in every every direction that we look. There is, you know, nursing schools are full of grooming and the verbiage is everywhere telling us you must sacrifice, you must sacrifice, you must sacrifice. And then we meet up with all this gaslighting manipulation from people in powerful positions that we should be able to trust. And the end result really does become similar to an abusive relationship between, say, a husband and a wife where, you know, the wife doesn't want to leave because for the kids, or he said, it's going to get better. He apologized, it's going to change. And I can just hold out a little bit longer. And that really is the same mentality that a lot of nurses have. And it's, it's sad. It's really, they don't even realize the problem that they're perpetuating by insisting on staying in that mindset, you know, but you're absolutely right. If we had, more of a male-dominated profession, I have no doubt that the vast majority of this would not be taking place.
2: Hmm. I think Erica has had somebody comment on her video too, and it really snapped to me because I've had people comment it as well. But they they commented, I stay for the patients. And she said, Do you realize how that sounds? Yep. Exactly. And it, it just like blew my mind. And now, at any time somebody says that to me, I'm like, you know what that sounds like? I stay for the patients. It sounds like I stay for the children. Mm-hmm. It's abuse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> that. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah, we I mean. They need to get in the mindset of, no, I am striking
1: for the patients. I am walking out for the patients. I am unionizing for the patients. And how dare you insinuate that you staying for the patients is somehow better than me actually attempting to create change. Right. I am yeah. doing this for patients.
0: I mean, look at all the sentinel events that could be prevented, right? Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, or the missed, I mean, you you know, obviously you've talked about how much uh, patient ratios can affect patient, the outcomes and patient care. And so, you know, you're right. Just bring it back to the patients, which is why we're here in the first place. That's right. So why, why did we go into healthcare? It was probably for patients, right? To make a difference, to make a change, to provide excellent care. So we wouldn't be here if we didn't want to, provide great care, but like, obviously we need to do it safely. Can you talk about the nor- nursing shortage myth?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so there really is no nursing shortage in the traditional sense. Uh, so you think about it and you think you hear nursing shortage and the layman who's outside of it, one of the few people that maybe don't know nurses, Uh, would think that that means there just aren't enough nurses to take care of all these patients. And we really need to push for more people to go into the nursing profession. That is not the case. There are 4 million nurses in this country. One in every 100 people is a nurse. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone that doesn't know a nurse or multiple nurses, right? Nurses are everywhere. Nurses are abundant. Where they are not is at the bedside because they have chosen willingly to leave because they've been put in years and years of unsafe, toxic, dangerous working conditions. So to say that there isn't enough nurses is really, um, it's not accurate. You're not painting the right picture. It's a misnomer. There are plenty of nurses. If they were to radically change conditions for nurses, meaning safe staffing ratios, um, you know, protection against uh, violence from, from patients against healthcare workers, all these sort of things, if these sort of guarantees were in place, I have no doubt that a lot of nurses would return to the bedside. Hell, I would return to the bedside if I knew that were in place, you know? So they really need to stop with perpetuating this myth of a nursing shortage. The fact is, every nursing program around this country turns away hundreds of qualified candidates Every single semester, and every single semester, they are putting out hundreds of new nurses. Where do you think they're all going? The nurses are there. We come them decently, and they will stay where they need to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we're That's
0: hemorrhaging nurses. Oh, where you are in Florida or in general?
2: No, in general, the country, like Erica said, I mean, it's constantly a revolving door. They they are taught to be martyrs. They enter a workplace where they're exploited, and they they leave the profession somehow, some way, whether it's by um, furthering their education, leaving bedside and doing something like case management, or they just leave healthcare altogether. But notice that um, at the beginning of the pandemic, the government called upon so many people to return. They wanted retired nurses. They wanted um, people who had their license suspended. And Texas, Texas even allowed, I saw a letter saying that they would allow nurses, nursing students who had not sat for NCLEX to practice. They did that in several states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just think, I mean, mm-hmm. this call to action, all these nurses who, who let their license lapse because they have left healthcare traumatized and sick and tired of the abuse, um, they're out there. No problem finding those nurses. hmm
0: Is there also a problem of we just don't want hire enough nurses? Like, Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. The healthcare administrators absolutely love perpetuating the lie of a nursing shortage because they can use it to their advantage financially. So I've seen this firsthand for years. So they just kind of throw their hands up and go, well, I mean, what do you expect? We're in a nursing, sh- in a nursing shortage. First of all, I've been hearing that for like 25 years now, enough already, you know? It, there's always been a nursing shortage. There's always going to be a nursing shortage. You want there to be a nursing shortage because that means instead of putting the eight nurses on every unit that you need, to be safe, you can get away with only putting the five or six nurses on every unit. And that is saving you millions of dollars a year in, uh, you know,
0: salaries and benefits and all of that.
1: So they use it to their advantage.
0: Yeah. But it's so crazy. Like, but how many collapses and codies and all those things are they paying for, though? Like, with the inadequate care that those patients are getting, like that.
2: And the nurses get written up for that as if they can
0: help it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. Um, wow. I- and let's
2: just take note that every admission request into a nursing program, every application, those those students pay to get in. So do you not think there's a conflict of interest with nursing schools to perpetuate this molding and grooming financially there, there's a financial component there. I'm convinced of Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
0: Um, I have a question. So where can people get involved if they want to get involved? If they're like, you know, their fire has been lit underneath their ass and they're like, I want to get involved. I want to help pass this here, you know, get the movement out there, either the last pizza party movement or go find legislation and go tell our senators, like,
1: what can they do? Yeah. So there are the three pieces of legislation, the work, the Violence Against Healthcare Workers Act, the PRO Act and the Safe Staffing Act that we are actively promoting. So anyone that wants to help assist in promoting those three is, is more than welcome and needed. But in, in regards to the last pizza party, we can definitely use help. We need first and foremost help with fundraising. We are a you know relatively new grassroots movement that we are just trying to get off the ground. And there's uh, a lot of legal things that you need to get in place. And while we are very capable and resourceful, we are nurses. <laughs> we are not attorneys. And so we, we really do need to fundraise in order to get the organization just in a safe place where we can grow. Uh, we also need to fundraise to, to continue our charitable work. So we are in the process of helping nurses systematically one by one with different uh, things that they need. And I'm sure Nurse Mandra can tell you a recent story that we had that was uh, just kind of warmed our hearts. So we need help with, uh, with fundraising and then
2: Sarah, we- was that Sarah?
0: No, Sarah. Yeah.
2: Oh, no. oh Sarah, no. Sarah would be our second one. Um, wow.
0: I just yeah. saw her TikTok the other day. So anyway, yeah. my heart yeah, and out. Yeah. And to we all came together for
1: her. We were, we were worried about her. She's, she's amazing. She's one of the core members of the last pizza party and we love yeah. her.
2: Yeah, she was probably one of the first people we recruited, and I think we probably recruited her. I want to say I reached out to her in December, but it wasn't official until after January when we started getting things moving, Um, because we kind of did like a soft launch on New Year's. I remember filming the first TikTok with fireworks going off in the background, just announcing, listen, we're going to do this. Let's call to action. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do you want
2: to tell her about the donation? Oh yeah. So this was, this is just the best. So this is, this is why we're raising money. And this is just like, it seems so small, but it just felt so good. So we had somebody reach out to us. They actually didn't reach out to us. They duetted one of our videos about, you know, tell us you're burnt out without, you know, telling us you're burnt out. And it was just a clip of her shoes and their Under Armour shoes. And they were the most busted pair of shoes i have ever seen you can tell she wore them down to the soul there were holes in them i mean duct- they were just, yes and so she ended up having to use she, i think she called them t-rex tape I, I don't basically duct tape she had to duct tape them together. So this is a nurse who could not afford new shoes and she didn't have the time to get new shoes. Her husband was on dialysis. She has kids. She's the sole provider in the home. Oh my Lord. And she was just like, yeah, this is, this is my situation. This is, you know, and so she wasn't asking for help. She was just bringing to light that this is, this is her reality. She doesn't have money or time. So, um, we reached out to her, we got her shoe size. I got her address, um, and found out she has high arches. So she usually goes with Under Armour um, and we sent her a new pair of shoes, which should have arrived um, between the 15th and the 19th. So we're waiting to hear from her and we're also sending her a complimentary pair of the last pizza party compression socks, which are going to be really cute because their logos on the side but on the bottom, one is going to say the last pizza party and the other one's going to say stands with you because we stand with our nurses and then literally we'll be standing with her.
0: (laughs) Oh, So our goal
2: with the
1: charitable organization is to grow and eventually be able to support nurses that need help going back to school. Maybe an LPN wants to go for her RN or maybe it's a nurse that really just wants to get their specialty certification and can't afford the $450 testing fee or anything along those lines up to and including nurses that are being retaliated against at work. And maybe they need uh, some monetary assistance with uh, legal support so that they can go to the state board and defend themselves against these erroneous accusations that corrupt healthcare administrators like to do to retaliate against nurses. We, We really have big dreams, but we really need help in fundraising in order
2: to get there.
0: Uh, I love that you said that. You, well, it's part of your mission, I'm sure. But Nurse Sander, you said that the last pizza party stands with you. It sounds like you really do stand with your nurses and. Oh yeah. I mean, my you heart. Stand. I'm like, I'm having like, I feel it in my chest. Like I'm just <laughs> in a, in a warm way. Like I can see your passion and your. Uh, just dedication um because this is back to the whole point of this is nurse advocacy and being there for your fellow nurses and man have we been through a rough time um yeah I thank you so much for creating this movement um and I you know I tend I want to be more involved so that would anyway I'm just putting that out there but um I know that the the people of the show will really like and so appreciate the work that you're doing so i can't wait for them to hear this uh one question that i have for you is um where is the light where have you found light in the last year if it's okay if it's all darkness um, it's okay this is gonna sound so
2: morbid this is gonna sound so morbid um, I had, um, through the height of the pandemic, I had a family who just, you got to understand, I hadn't seen this in a long time, but they were just very accepting of what was happening, and they wanted to do hospice, and they were, they were grieving, but they were accepting of it, and we got to go through the whole process, and I was able to help somebody make that transition um, very peacefully and comfortably. And it just had been so long. And I just, I remember it was like the first time that I had walked out smiling. I just felt so good that I could like, just those little things, you know, it's just those little things.
1: Yeah. Because for, you know, if you ever are witness to a good death, right. Yes. And I, I work in hospice and palliative care. So this <laughs> my specialty is good deaths. Um, you'll never want to go back to the bad deaths that we see yeah. all the time right
2: i i've just seen so much bad death and like one of the one of the icus i i worked in was very small and that hospital did not have a morgue so just as quickly as people would pass more people were getting transferred up so it would be to the point where we would be waiting on them on the the outside morgue to come pick them up, but where are we going to put them? So they would be in body bags against the nursing station, and the doors to the rooms were all glass doors. So as the new patients are coming in, (laughs) the last thing they see before they're intubated is body bags. So it is... The worst, and so you find light in the little things, like a good death. Like Erica said, a good death—it's a beautiful thing. Being able to give somebody that gift,
0: yes, it is. Um, I understand your sentiments one hundred percent. It make it means a world of a, it makes the world of a difference to be able to offer that to somebody and make them pass peacefully. I also derive a lot of—it's not morbid. I, I, der- I derive a lot of joy from hoping someone passes peace peacefully. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and uh, and you, Eric nurse, Erica, you find light in the work that you do.
1: You know, uh, as corny as it may sound, I have to say that I find light in the work, the advocacy work that we're doing with the last pizza party. It has given me something to anchor myself throughout this whole storm. Uh, I don't honestly know where I would be without it. I have been fighting this uphill battle of nursing leadership for years. And while I've been able to accomplish some good things along the way, a lot of it is is just beating my head against a wall because it's bigger than me and there's things that I can't control. Uh, But this, I have some control over and I am reminded every single day by hundreds of nurses out there that are reaching out to me, just what a difference we are making. And that has really brought me the light that I need to get through this storm.
2: Yeah. I have to say working with Erica, you can tell the passion that she has um, and she really keeps our group on track. Um, and she just is one of the most resilient women I've ever met and it's it's something that I hope to aspire to um, just the, and she has a way with words um, just that professionalness it comes so naturally to her and, and so um, she really is so passionate and resilient and has lifted me out of some dark places and I've confided a lot in her about things and um, it's just been a pleasure working with her and I'm excited to see what we can do in the future.
0: Thank I'm, you. Ex- I'm excited to see what you guys are going to do as well. It's so exciting. Do you have any last closing thoughts for the show for any listeners out there? Oh, um, out to your legislators to support those three pieces of
1: legislation. Uh, in particular, the two senators from Arizona, Kristen Cinema. Mark Kelly and the Senator from Virginia, Mark Warner. Uh, Those are the three remaining steadfast holdouts for the PRO Act. Um, So please put pressure on those three. Please uh, be brave. Just be brave. You know, nurses can always find a reason to not speak out, to not stand up. We've all seen examples of, of nurses being made an example of. Uh, but the time is now. And if you're never going to stand up, then why are you doing this at all?
2: Yeah. um, I, I would say put on your war paint, Um, start fighting. Uh, And if, if 2020 has taught you anything, it is that hospitals feel you're disposable and you're not, we need to fight for this profession. We need to stand together um, the time of tucking your tails and, and just just start recognizing the gaslighting. Um, educate yourself about unions. Educate yourself. Read through these acts. Really get to know them. And, and I like to tell people, tell at least three people about these acts a day. The, the biggest thing is, I, before the last pizza party, I never knew these acts existed. How many nurses don't even hear about it? We need to raise awareness. We need to put our working on and we need to be aggressive.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it's not a coincidence that nurses never know about nursing related legislation. Yeah. Just, just like it's not a coincidence that we never hear about nursing strikes. There are multiple strikes going on right now around the country. You don't hear about any of them. So a lot of this information is being systematically suppressed to continue to suppress nurses. And that's kind of what we're doing is help spreading the word.
2: And Erica, I think this would be a good opportunity too because you've been talking about the foreign nurses that are being basically held prisoner here.
1: Yeah, Mm. I'm kind of getting uh, eaten, eaten alive and beaten over the head with this. A lot of people are coming after me the last couple of days. So it's it's been a bit much. Uh, But, you know, essentially they are actively recruiting foreign nurses, which is nothing new. You know, we've, no. we've been bringing in Filipino nurses and s- nurses from other countries for years.
2: That's not the issue. And the we, let. Issue- I just want to interrupt really quick and say, we love Filipino. I love working with Filipino nurses. There's nothing yes. wrong with the nurses. We, we love them.
1: Yeah. Um, some of my favorite nurses, some of my best friends are foreign nurses. The issue is not yeah. with Nurses. I have all the trust in the world in the nurses. The issue is that, uh, you know, it's kind of a human rights issue, actually. They are paying them extremely low wages. I mean, I'm talking 10, 15, $20 an hour less than their counterparts. They are tying them into year-long contracts. I mean, not not a year or two. I'm talking three, four, five, six, seven-year-long contracts, uh, which expressly forbid them from speaking out. So but even we, if it's it worse, it gets yeah. worse. Go ahead. Even if they are <laughs> See my face. My face is like, what?
0: <laughs> even it if they're worse.
1: in terrible positions every single day, they, they cannot speak up because they have families back home and often third world countries that are depending on them and their paycheck. And if they speak up, they are likely to be terminated and sent back to the country. Uh, not only that, but they are in some cases holding their visas or their passports, like physically holding them away from them. Now, of course, there's gaslighting involved and they're doing it under the pretense of, oh, we'll just hold this for you until you get through your probationary period or your orientation or whatever. And then immediately, as soon as that time frame has elapsed, It's, um, you know, gaslighting and dodging calls and they can never get a hold of someone. And it's just excuse after excuse. And they physically are being held hostage because they can't leave, even if they want to, because they have their passport and they're they're not an American citizen. In addition to that, they're bringing uh, in CNAs from other countries. And, you know, this is not everywhere, but it's in some places and it's all around the country, but no one's talking about it. Uh, they're bringing in CNAs and paying for them to go through nursing school. So in exchange, the CNA works three twelves per week as a CNA. They get a free education and then they are tied to a three, four, five year long contract as a new nurse working for them for this free education. Now, I have no problem with the free education. I have no problem with them bringing in the CNAs or the other nurses But why are we not offering that to the CNAs in this country? If in fact, there is a nursing shortage, why are we not putting our CNAs through nursing to exploit them? right? They want nurses that maybe culturally are brought up to never question authority or legally now are bound to a contract that their entire family and extended family back home are dependent on their paycheck. And so they have to play the good girl and never speak up so that they can get that pittance of a paycheck, which is actually a lot of money to them compared to the three, four, five hundred dollars a month they earn back home mm. and send it back home. They can't speak up. So they are essentially creating an army of nurses. They are making conditions so poor here in the hospital, healthcare administrators, they are making conditions so bad for the existing nurses that we are voluntarily leaving the bedside because who wants to stay there? So as we are voluntarily leaving. They're bringing in foreign nurses because there's a nursing shortage and they're trying to be proactive. And so how long do you think it's going to take before these foreign nurses that cannot speak up, legally cannot speak up, legally cannot fight back, legally cannot break their contract without incurring a $90,000 fee that they can't afford because they're getting paid nothing, um, how long until they have taken over?
0: And I don't mean that to be um, against the oh, foreign nurses. You're just saying like, take the place up, right?
1: Yes, correct. Take the place up. But they're, they're, they're creating exploited. a yeah. workforce that will not speak up. Right now, nurses are speaking up and they don't like that. They're creating a workforce that cannot speak up.
0: Unfortunately, I'm running out of time, and I'm going to have to have you both back on the show. I want to hear a lot more yeah, about we'd this. I would love to. <laughs> I am, you know, obviously this is something that, the, the, especially this last piece, is you know, I have not heard of, about. Um, But, um, of course, I want to hear more. So um, I will probably reach out to you and see if I can link something up in the show notes about it. Uh, But I... Oh, Wow, I feel like we've gone all over the place in many great places in this <laughs> episode. Um, and I just, again, I love the work that you're doing for all Thank of you. the 4 million nurses out there. I hope that people will find your, I mean, I'll link up your Facebook group and your Instagram. People will get involved. Um, ultimately, you know, even if you have it great, like I do, actually, where I am is. Fucking amazing, you know. And it's been tough for sure, but relative to the East Coast, it's been a dream. So (laughs) even if if it's been great here, like for those of us that have it great, we need to make it so it's great for the rest of everybody else. Yeah,
2: we're a guild, we're a team. We gotta stick together. And I commend you so much because there's been a lot of nurses who say, "Well, this doesn't really affect me," and they don't really want to support. Um, cause they have it good and they don't want to ruffle any feathers or, or rock the boat. So I really commend you for speaking up, even though you are in a good spot.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's only as, what is it? We're only as weak as the, no, I don't know that look like that. We're only it's as good as the me. weakest link in our, yeah, whatever. You one, know what I'm trying to say? <laughs>
2: weak link in a chain makes the whole chain weak.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we gotta, we gotta be strong across the board. Um I just can't thank you both enough. Um and I'm gonna close this one out like I normally do and say stay safe and stay sane and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you